lined up the top stars from Hollywood and from all over the world to entertain you on a giant screen with a few colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading it's about. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. We're delighted to have you with us. They're driving theater. You'll find something to please you to add to your evening's enjoyment. Please pray to bring you our Fifi feature presentation. Station. What's up, everybody? It is Monday night. It's 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. It is June 27th, 2022, and you are tuned in to the Drive-In Speaker Box. That's right. If you're tuned into the live stream, you'll notice that there is just one of me. I am your host, Bo, a.k.a. The Boom Operator, and my compatriot, Jake, uh, the grip, who often calls himself Slick a Doggy, is, uh, is today Sick a Doggy. He is... Um, not able to come up into the studio this week. Uh, he has fallen ill to some nefarious virus or something. I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know. I don't have all the information. I don't have all the gossip. Uh, but I just know that he's not here today. And he also didn't see any movies. So uh, he is on assignment, hopefully sick, in bed, getting the rest that he deserves and watching the movies that he should have watched this past weekend. Uh, but... You got me instead. And we're playing catch-up this week because last week we had some technical difficulties. Um, but I'm looking at, at all of my various screens that I have to deal with um, when I am up here doing this thing by myself. Well, or, or even just with Jake. But i got a lot of stuff to look at. But apparently uh, the, the, the things are looking good. So hopefully we do not have the same uh, technical issues that we had last week. So welcome to the show. Uh, not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about news this week because there is a lot of movies that we got to review. Lots and lots and lots of stuff that we got to, uh, to deal with. Um, I, we never really got a chance to talk about Lightyear last week because of the technical difficulties. I'm going to tackle Lightyear. Uh, I'm going to give a give a quick and dirty on my thoughts on Lightyear. Uh, then going to be talking about Beavis and Butthead do the universe, which uh, did not hit theaters, but it did hit parents. Paramount Plus, and it is the the latest installment of the Beavis and Butthead world, if you want to call it that, and then uh, going to be talking about that, and we're also going to be talking about the new Elvis film, uh, the new Boz Lerman Elvis, caught that in the theaters this weekend, as well as Black Phone, and uh, I even brought one of my Black Phones up to the studio, so yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about all of those movies tonight on the show, lots to review, um, so thanks for joining us this week. I was really bummed about last week because there was a lot of cool, like a lot of new viewers in the stream, a lot of people tuning in for the first time, and their first experience with the drive-in speaker box was like a technical disaster, so a uh, little bit embarrassed about that, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, um, we're, my apologies. I hope all of you come back. Uh, and if you are listening to this podcast where you don't see video, you don't see the chat here, you don't see Vince and Sam and the gang, like tuning in on the, uh, the live chat there already. Shout outs to those guys. Um, you can do so every Monday night. We do this live. This is a live show. We record this and the podcast gets put out into the ether every Monday night, eight o'clock central standard time. Uh, Vince says, 
black phone back when you could uh, a phone could be used as a weapon. And and yes, because you know these black the, the, these phones. You know, let's see if I can get that. There it is. That boom. That bell. That's such a good, satisfying uh, sound. But it had like this this little holder right here that you could put your hands in. And this thing's got some heft. Like you could you could really take down a ne'er do well with this. Um, but we we'll, we will cover black phone later in the show. Uh, Al tuning in on YouTube says he misses Jake. Jake misses you too. He will be back. You're stuck with me, the annoying guy that pushes all the buttons, runs all the shows, and can't shut up. So um, sorry in advance that I'm the only thing you get today. Uh, I know I can be insufferable. That's why I brought tequila, so I can be more insufferable. So cheers to everyone at home. And thanks for joining me for the past 15 years. Um, All right. Let's do this thing. There is a little bit of news that I did want to kind of cover because uh, stuff did happen. Um, you know, there's a there's always stuff going on in the news. Uh, there is uh, news about I don't know how or why. Maybe it's because of comic books and money. Uh, a new Green Hornet film being talked about, directed by the uh, the Invisible Film uh, Invisible Man um, filmmaker uh, Lee Winnell. I don't understand why this is needed if you guys don't remember the first film which should have been good because it was uh, Michelle Gondry directed which you know um I think that was one of those things where the studios got the best of a very talented director and everything kind of fell apart and also Seth Rogen um it was basically a Taika Waititi style comic book movie before Taika Waititi kind of created this new style of comic book movie um Honestly, going back and revisiting Green Hornet, which I did not too long ago, it's really not so indiscernible from a lot of the Marvel formula these days. Um, I think it's just because Green Hornet and Kato aren't as marketable now as they were well back when they were original, you know, and, and, and things like Thor, you know, it's real easy to make hot guy dick jokes um, about how handsome and well-endowed uh, Chris Hemsworth is, is is supposedly in life and in fantasy. Um, you know, the, the easy pot shots that the MCU loves to take now. Um, but, you know, we're going to get another Green Hornet movie. It might go to streaming. Who knows where it's going to go? It could go to theaters. I thought that was ridiculous news, so I thought I wanted to tell you guys about it. Um... A lot of the other news, again, people just getting excited about Thor. Um, you know, oh God, just so much going on about Thor. People talking about the um, the boys. I don't have time to go into talking about the boys. The the Hero Gasm episode is out there for those of you that want to check it out. Uh, Sam, yes, over on Facebook says, and still no new Shadow movie. That is a damn shame because the Shadow is a good character. And if Jake were here, he would say, and also the Phantom. You can't really see the Phantom action figure we have, but he's right back here behind the chat. Um, uh, I, I think the Phantom's a, kind of a. I can say this without Jake interrupting me because uh, the Phantom, I didn't think it was a great movie, even despite it had Billy Zane. And I do love Billy Zane. But um, yeah, I'd much rather have a Shadow film. Uh, 
what else? You know, there's there's new episodes of the Orville. The Orville's getting better. I don't have time to talk about that. There was a new trailer that dropped this week. The Invitation, bringing vampires back to the big screen, which you don't normally see. Vampires have been kind of poo-pooed to the small screen with things like Vampire Diaries and its incessant number of spinoffs that it has had over the past few years. They're all terrible, and, you know, thanks to Twilight, it vampires have been sort of just pigeonholed into teen fiction, but the Invitation trailer does look like we're getting back to some classic, sexy horror vampires. I don't know if I'm excited about it yet, because I tend to just be excited about vampires in general, but um, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, what else did I want to cover before I just jumped into all the movies uh, that I have to talk about today. Oh, Top Gun, soaring into the billion-dollar club. Normally something we talk about in the box office thing, which I will cover later, but it's official. One billion dollars. Top Gun, Tom Cruise, doing a backflip, as he should, making all the money. Um, What else should we cover before I start reviewing movies? What was in my notes? Taika Waititi, Star Wars, don't really care. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think that's gonna be it. Let's let's just stop there. There's there's nothing else I want to talk about. I've got a lot of stuff to to review. Um, let's see. Vince says I find the opposite of Orville close to dropping it. Ah, oh, that's a bummer. That's that's sad to hear. Um, because I've been I've been really digging it. You know, I think I, I you know I understand where uh, Vince's concerns are coming from with this new season of Orville, but I kind of like the serious spin. I like. Because I've been craving Trek, and I will say that Strange New Worlds is not really doing it for me. Picard's not doing it for me, but the Orville is just enough um, humor and sci-fi and ideas and get you thinking, but also doesn't take itself too seriously that that, that, that makes me keep coming back to it and excited about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know that uh, some of our viewers, Vince especially, said he just couldn't take... Um, Seth MacFarlane very seriously as this role, as this show's getting more serious, and that I can totally agree with, but I think that there is a great supporting cast here that carries the show for him. Um, you know, Scott Grimes, Ben Johnson Gerald, like, the guy that plays the robot, like, uh, all really good uh, characters that I think stand alone, but we will see. Uh, Sam says Daybreakers was a fun vampire movie. Daybreakers is not... A- yeah, it's fun, but think about how old that movie is now. Like, not a lot of new, not a lot of new vampire movies coming out. Um, let's see. Uh, Vince says, "I also hate the character of the woman who hates the robot." Yes, and she actually represents an archetype of character that I'm starting to not be able to handle in all forms of media and film. There, you know, it, when you when you watch movies and you watch. Um, television shows that are long-form narrative which seems like everything now is trying to become like this you know season two season three season eight season whatever long-form narrative they're trying to create these engaging characters and i'll give you a mini review example of a show that i just finished the, the latest season of which was umbrella academy season one you know when it dropped everybody was like oh this is so cool it's so unique it's interesting it's it's edgy these heroes they got problems blah 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 and at the time yeah it it was uh what's up tyler yo yo over on youtube um 
and um, oh, and and shout outs to Tyler. He 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 had actually offered me a ticket to the Fifth Element here locally, uh, which played at its anniversary show. I did not get a chance to see it because I was seeing Elvis at the time. I forgot that Fifth Element was um, getting re-released this weekend. Really sad. I missed that because it's really great. Anyway, going back to what I was saying um, about these, um, where was I? Uh, oh. Overarching Narratives, Umbrella Academy, here we go. Um, By the time season whatever we're on three is out, it feels like we're hitting all of the same bits because they can't figure out how to do things differently or any more envelopes to push with this genre because when they opened up this kind of counterculture superhero thing, like, okay, we've already got The Tick. Now we've got Umbrella Academy and The Watchmen, and now we've got The Boys, and then, like, that is the new thing. And then Taika Waititi's uh, movies are all about, like, superheroes, but what if they're dumbasses just like me and my friends? And, um, you know, you get this sort of oversaturated take on a genre that is hard to um, find anything new to do and with this new season of um, with this new season of Umbrella Academy it's like every episode's got a dance number every episode's got like oh remember music from the 70s and 80s that's really catchy well we're gonna have that and then they're gonna be dancing and and oh it's the end of world again and then the same people are gonna get pissed off and the same people are gonna fight and oh everybody's gonna love klaus because he's klaus and it's like okay we've seen all of the stuff and it starts to tread water to a point where these studios are working so hard to try and get to another season and find a reason for another season that's the reason for the season uh that everything starts to get so watered down and boring and i feel like going back to vince's point with the orville you know the longer something goes like it's i say this on the show a lot it's trying to capture lightning in a bottle you can only do it once and when they do it's my problem with the jurassic park jurassic world series which we talked about on a couple episodes ago i still have the map here in my hand um it's you know when you try so hard to cater to an audience you think you have to cater to instead of making a film that you know is going to be great, then you end up just kind of pissing everybody off because you cannot recapture that magic uh, because magic is that. Um, Al over on Facebook says he is also experiencing superhero burnout. And, I mean, that's like the new genre is superheroes. I mean, you've got, like I said, currently right now you've got The Boys on Amazon Prime, which is actually still pretty good. You've got... um, you know, Umbrella Academy, which just came out. You've had a couple of Netflix things that flopped. You've got all the MCU stuff, all the Disney Plus MCU stuff. <clears throat> just so much superhero stuff that it's just, it's too, there's too much noise. Um, and as Tyler just pointed out on YouTube, he said, yeah, even Lost did that back when it aired. It was especially bad with the 24 episode show. So, Lost, so let me take a swig. I don't have these breaks with Jake where I can, you know, quench my thirst. Um, Lost, I, I here's something I say about on the show quite a bit. If you've been watching me all these years, I love Lost. Here's a huge asterisk. Um, Lost was good until season five. And what happened at season four was they got pressure from studio executives from networks being like we gotta drag this same with game of thrones 
But the loss was really the first to make a television show with just a wide tree of character arcs. And um, they originally were set to have a very encapsulated storyline and then end it. But then, because that's how TV was, they were doing something new. You know, they were filming it like a movie. They got Michael Giacchino, who really launched his career doing the soundtrack to Lost, because he did it very orchestrally and very cinematically. Um, and it. Everybody was obsessed, and everybody was hooked, and the the networks wanted more of that. And they're like, "How do we stretch it out?" And they're like, "I don't, I don't know." And so they they kind of just started flying by the seat of their pants, and then everything fell apart. But not until like season six or seven or whatever it was when it got so stupid. Um, but there, the money had been made. the The advertisers had bought in. We were all hooked, and we were invested, and we got to see this through because we have put so much time into it. And that formula has changed television pretty much forever. Uh, you know, people go back and say, you know, there are other good examples like Deep Space Nine, something that we love, but it was still very episodic. They were toying with the idea of a long form overarching narrative with all these character arcs and, you know, multiple characters that we fall in love with that may or may not be in each episode each each week. But Lost was the one. Well, that was the show that really made TV to be like super long, eight, nine, ten hour movies. And we've never gone back. Um, episodic TV is 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 very rare and it's usually reality shows and even those are are now long form arcs like you look at survivor and all these other quote unquote reality shows been on for 20 years or something like that but it's still you know the whole season you can't just pop in in the middle and make sense of it all um sam says it's like the reverse twin peaks yeah it's 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 crazy uh tyler says that's why i like the more short form episode stuff today even though a lot of the void is uh, it's yeah, though it's still not void of filler. Um, you know, it, it, and we are never going to come back because I think that that's how we consume things now is we, 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 25 minutes is not enough for us. You know, we, we, we crave these short form little bits, but we also want to have that ability to binge. We want to be able to like, ah, it's Saturday. I'm going to just crank through it. It's amazing how we can complain about a three hour long movie, but we'll binge watch a show for seven hours on the couch. Uh, or everyone's like, oh, the Snyder cut was four hours. Ugh, I had to take a break and like, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't watch it all in one bit, but they'll sit and watch, you know, season two of whatever the, uh, uh, what is a sand and bone or some crap on Netflix and they'll watch you know seven episodes in a row or I watched all of an umbrella academy last week well that was eight and a half hours dude oh I guess you're right and there's something about the episodicness that you can pause even though it is essentially just an eight hour long movie with a lot of stuff that you could have cut out um Anyway, end rant television. Um, I've got a lot of movies to review, you guys. Let's catch up on Lightyear. Let's do it. Uh, Lightyear, Buzz, the toy. Um, I, for those of you that tried to catch last week, I know I did not get into this very uh, deeply because of our technical issues. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a very short one because I think everybody's talked about it. Everybody's seen it. It's already dropped to number five at the box office, which I don't think Disney was hoping for. Um, but, you know, my one sentence is uh, this movie was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, this movie uh, was was 
an adventure movie. It was an animated adventure movie. Was this movie, you know, they, they, they prefaced the, the Lightyear film, of course. You know, this film is supposed to be, as illustrated from the three sentences at the title card of the movie, it says, in, you know, in 1995, a boy named Andy bought his favorite action movie based on his favorite movie. This was that movie. It did not feel like I was watching a movie that Andy would have loved in the 90s. I'm just going to say that. Was it a, as Carson on YouTube says, was it a very charming movie? Absolutely. One of the things that I thought was refreshing about this movie is it had consequence. People died. Um, You know, granted it wasn't tragic, but there was a sense of, you know, um, the decisions that your the, the hero makes has some has a potential for negative outcome. That I think is important in especially movies for kids. You know, you look at all of the most celebrated um, films for kids. One of the reasons that Hayao Miyazaki is is one of the most amazing um, creators of animated films for children or anybody is because. There's a, a realism and a, a, a sense of uh, responsibility and a sense of uh, consequence to the actions of the characters on screen. If everybody's just running around being invincible like Thor, uh, then it's just like, okay, I just saw a lot of cool shit and that's the end of the movie. And, um, you know, uh, as, as Al said on Facebook, too many people like Ted Cruz worried about Disney wanting to sell lesbian toys. And there was that. There was the... The women kissing. Oh my gosh! Stop the presses. Two ladies smooched in a in a kids' film. It's like, dude, I grew up watching the Goonies, where they ripped the pecker off of a, a David statue, which was the mom's favorite piece, and you know, uh, and the Monster Squad that kicked the Wolfman in the nards, and there was dicks and shit and titties and like Porky's was a thing, like. Get over yourself, Republicans, like, you know, conservative Republicans. You can be, you know, whatever your, your thing is. But but we grew up on dicks and titties. Like, it, it it's healthy, okay? Two girls kissing, dude. I mean, like, who hasn't fantasized about that as a kid? And now you get to see it in a Pixar movie. It's not that bad. It's kind of normal. Like, having two moms is not a big deal. And they did it so tastefully that... Screw yourself if you think this is offensive to kill children. Like, and if you think your kids haven't seen this already, like, there is nothing a Pixar movie is going to show your children that they have not already seen at school or on their phone. Like, you know, I mean, the the quest for dirty magazines of me on my little BMX bicycle in the alleys of Decatur, Alabama, digging in trash cans looking for a Playboy. Like, you know, now you can just go, Siri, show me, you know, triple DP. And they're like... Boop, here you go. It's there's a lot of penetration. You fuck with the hentai, here you go. Like this is the world we live in. Get over yourself with Buzz Lightyear. Um, so that really pissed me off seeing all that controversy because it's the dumbest thing I've ever I've heard. But at the end of the day, Lightyear, uh, I think they botched the ending of not being able to include um you know, uh, Tim Allen, because there was a, a very important moment at the end, which is a spoiler. I'm not going to give it away, but they could have used Tim Allen's voice. Um, but, but I did like the passage of time, the consequence with buzz, but at the end of the day, it just felt very, it just felt very generic movie. And, and, and it didn't have, you know, Toy Story, even Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, 
and to a lesser extent Toy Story 4 because it was building on the 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 the, the shoulders of giants from the previous movies gave you moments where you felt attached and worried and invested in the characters that that you love on the screen in this movie not so much it was kind of a just the spaceships and lasers you know which is cool but you know when you when you attach somebody like buzz lightyear someone that that made you cry in the 90s you know when he realized that he was not actually a space ranger and then fell into an existential crisis where he wanted to die like that's some real shit um and this movie didn't have any of that real shit you know um it was still very much a like, everybody that died because of old age, they still live very happy lives. Not like, well, you know, Buzz fucked up and everybody got torpedoed with, you know, Emperor Zerg. Like, there was nothing scary like that. It was just like, well, you know, they lived happily ever after and they, they kissed and had a baby. And now the baby's grown up and really cool. And, uh, I don't know. But it's not a bad movie. It's good. It's competent. It scratches the itch. If you need some Buzz, if you need some toys to buy, if if the old Buzz Lightyear toy that you have, your kid's not playing with it enough, this movie will help save you some money from going out and buying a new Buzz Lightyear or will make you go out and buy new Buzz Lightyear to shut your kid up in the van on soccer practice, which I guess is the point of Disney's movies these days. I don't know, but there you go. That's what I thought about Booze Lightyear. Um... As Tyler says, always need a good buzz. Uh, let's see. Sam says, I still love the rednecks yelling at the screen. No! When the two guys kiss, but it was totally fine when the clown eating a child literally three minutes later. He brought a small children, by the way. You know, I, I can't... You, I mean, we live in... This is the same timeline where people wanted to ban Harry Potter because they thought it was like pagan witchcraft, you know? And that's the funny thing about culture is that it evolves... And as we become more tolerant, you know, I there, there, there. Once upon a time, people with dark skin could not be on film. You know, the once upon a time, like there was a lot of crazy shit that that that. Now we look back and they go, "Wow, we were the assholes for thinking that that was wrong." And this is one of those times. Like anybody that like thinks that seeing two women kiss in Buzz Lightyear is is evil, you're wrong. Sorry, I, I I don't I don't have anything else to say. Uh, Sam says I'm your favorite, or I, I am your favorite deputy. Well, there are no there are no snakes in these boots. Um, isn't that what he says? There's a snake in my boot, um, old Woody. But speaking of Tom Hanks, we have some Elvis to talk about here in a bit. But before we get into that, I wanted to get that little review out of the way. We got to talk about movies that are coming out this week in theaters. Not a lot of stuff coming out in theaters. There is a uh, quick little movie with Mel Gibson coming out from Lionsgate. Um, it also has Shannon Dordery because uh, where's she been? And Kevin Dillon because I guess he needs money. Um, and maybe Mel Gibson can't find anybody else to be in his movies. Uh, but it is called um, Hot Seat. And it looks like a generic action movie is probably going to hit direct to streaming, even though it is Lionsgate. I don't know; it might get a little bit of film release, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in it. Uh, also, from director Emma, uh, Emma Holly Jones, Mr. Malcolm's List. Uh, it is a you know very 
uh, Downton Abbey-esque, Bridgerton-esque, you know, uh, beautiful people in incredibly cumbersome and hot clothing. Uh, it's about a young woman courting a mysterious wealthy suitor in 19th century England. Um, again, not another movie I, I, I think is going to get a huge, super wide release because there is a lot of big heavy hitters out in the theaters right now. Uh, but it is coming out. I mean, um, yeah, that's coming out. And then, probably the biggest release that is coming out, which is going to give Lightyear a run for its money, is Minions Rise of Gru. Uh, it is hard to keep track of how many films are in this Minions-verse, because this was another one of those accidents when they made, well, I think, what was the original called? Despicable Me, which had nothing to do with the Minions. It was all about Gru, and now they're trying to return to Gru and go, hey, remember there is a main character here that is not three colored do like yellow colored guys i don't say colored guys it's 2022 um that are running around going oh here's my butt boop, boop, boop. kevin and doing the same fucking joke like over and over and over i don't know how like it is the dumbing down of society that makes these movies popular but at least we're getting more grew um and but still even in the posters it's all very minions focused um it's 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 literally called minions rise of the main character from the first film um i this franchise defines how film marketing affects what we watch um, if, if, if you need a master class in understanding how box office and merchandising affects what you get as a consumer, it's the Minions franchise. Because much like Jurassic Park, when I was talking about it a few episodes ago, where the first movie came out and they were like, oh, geez, we did not expect this to be such a hit with people of all ages we got to figure out merchandise we got to make toys we got to do all this stuff and they did it retroactively and now we're seeing how jurassic world dish whatever the millionth one we're on with the tv the cartoon spinoffs and the toys and the video games and all this stuff is more and more and more aimed at children the reason they want to aim it at children is because children buy toys and you know um as Al just said on Facebook, kids like bright little small creatures with giant ETIs. And also, very easy to make because they're shapes. They're, they're, they're easy, easy, digestible, and creatable. Like, it is not hard to make a toy out of a minion. It is, it is, it is the most genius of, of characters because it's a yellow wad that shows its butt in overalls occasionally and poots because who doesn't like to laugh at a poot is i mean it's the most timeless of all jokes um but the, but, but but look at this this is how the machine works you know i mean they're <laughs> if you drive merchandising back i mean just look at look at the set okay i mean look look around you let me since since jake is not here hang on i'm going to i'm going to throw him under the bus and also illustrate that all of this shit back here is real. This is like a hundred dollar toy that he bought, right? That that is just a, a. I don't know if this is Goku or Vegeta. I, I mean, I don't really watch Dragon Ball, but it's 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 a it's a it's a Dragon Ball guy, and this is like a hundred dollars, right? And at the time when Dragon Ball came out, there wasn't all this shit, um, but there was a market for you know lonely guys in their 
upper 20s, early 30s that would would drop $100 on one of these. And then now, guess what we got? We got this retroactive cult following that has now spurred merchandising in the new spinoffs. So th- merchandise is a really big part of this. If, if you can sell things to either young children or or you know, white dudes that don't have girlfriends, hello, um, then, then yeah, you're going to get a lot of this stuff. And um, that's how the business works because something that, again, I've talked about on the show a lot, especially when around Oscar season when everybody thinks that movies are supposed to, like, be representative and inclusive and all this kind of stuff, which I they should be. But then they go, well, mm, movies should reflect culture. No, they will never reflect culture. They will reflect what you buy. And if you ever want anything to change, spend your money. Like, that's how you you you, you, you change what you see at the theater is by putting your pants on and going to the theater and paying that ticket price or buying that toy or, you know, whatever. And that's that's the real secret of it is movies are a business. They're not out here to 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 create a whole lot of art, at least not in a theater anyway. Uh, box office is about taking your money and uh, with with finesse. So um, as James said, yes, vote with your wallet. Something I say here on the show all the time. So uh, that's what's coming out in theaters. There you go. We are past that point in the show where I need to take a couple more swigs, wet my throat, lose the cap to the tequila, and start reviewing the other three movies that we have to talk about. Uh, Hornitos Plata, available at a liquor store near you. All right. As Johnny Dalton says, I bought some ratchet straps at Harbor Freight today. Where's that movie? Uh, it's coming. Harbor Freight the movie. Get ready. It's called Bob the Builder. Um, and I'm pretty sure your kid already has all that shit, or at least you're probably going to buy it for him. Um, anyway, okay. Let's go ahead and hit Beavis and Butthead. Uh, because Beavis and Butthead are... It wasn't a theatrical release, and normally I spend the most time on theatrical releases. But Beavis and Butthead, this is a feature-length film... Um, that, that I just, I, when I heard about Beavis and Butthead, another movie coming out, I was actually really excited thinking that this was going to be, um, in theaters, but you know, obviously the last movie that, that, that that came out in 1996 at the, the pinnacle of Beavis and Butthead fame was Beavis and Butthead do America. Uh, this film, uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Um, uh, obviously, you know, if you don't know the joke, it's it's a play on Debbie Does Dallas, which is a, is an old, like, very successful pornographic adult film. Uh, Mike Judge using that as a joke to uh, tell a story of these two idiots that that that, that go on an adventure. Um, Beavis and Butthead do America. Came into theaters. Uh, was fairly successful um you know i remember at the time i was working at spencer gifts a lot of beavis and butthead merchandise back then um but the you know beavis and butthead kind of fell into obscurity over the past 20 something years a uh, big part of that problem is licensing you know uh paramount plus now taking on the catalog of beavis and butthead which you can now watch with the music videos they spent a lot of money doing this thing uh which makes the show actually complete because the best parts were beavis and butthead making fun of all these old videos but fast forward to 2022 
And oh, as Johnny Dalton says, the SNES game was lit. Yes, there was actually a very uh, short manufactured arcade machine. I played one of them, I believe it, Galloping Ghost Arcade in Chicago, Illinois uh, once, and you don't see those very often, but the uh, the, the SNES game was pretty cool. Uh, but 2022, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. This movie is Beavis and Butthead. It's for better or for worse. If you are a Beavis and Butthead fan, check it out. If you're a little too woke you you might not like it although although they handle modernization pretty well uh the story is as dumb as you would think it would be it's beavis and butthead trying to score um with an astronaut and through their stupid antics and just asinine behavior managed to stumble onto a space mission and then fall into a black hole which explains where they've been for 25 years and um it's this movie is not a complicated film. It does poke fun at the multiverse, which everything is doing these days because there is smart Beavis and smart Butthead that come in and they're pretty fun. And it just, you know, Mike Judge is a funny guy. And even though Beavis and Butthead at their core laugh at dick and fart jokes and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, look at that number, Beavis. And it's like 69. It's like, yeah, cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. You know, and that's all in there. And he's like, whoa, he said boner. You know, and like all that stuff is there. And, um, you know, butthead kicking Beavis in the nuts. And there, there are things that you're like, why is this funny? But then you find yourself laughing at just how absurd it all is. And that's where Mike Judge shines and 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 can take something as dumb as this but still craft jokes that are slightly more elevated than the base of their parts right you know they find a cell phone uh beavis kind of falls in love with siri which is you know harken back to other other uh her if you've ever seen that movie um and 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 things of that nature but uh just just dealing with the modernization of the world that we exist in that Beavis and Butthead do not and then kind of parodying those things and and calling out how much has changed for better and for worse you know there was a lot of things that Mike Judge played with that that were acceptable in the 90s that clearly aren't acceptable here and instead of like making the same joke again he makes a joke based upon the joke that's inappropriate that makes it appropriate that makes it even more funny um you know, James asks, is Hank Hill make a cameo? No, despite being in Texas where Beavis and Butthead also live. They live in the same town. Um, I think they, they, they did separate the King of the Hill verse from Beavis and Butthead, even though they're, again, living from the same town. But there are a lot of familiar characters in the, the, the Texas storyline. But this, this, you know, there's not a lot to say other than it's Beavis and Butthead. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty dumb and um you know it's no frog baseball uh but it it scratched the itch it felt it felt very much like watching the 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 last iteration of the bill and ted movie it was a little bit of a love song a little bit of a farewell i don't think we're going to see more beavis and butthead i think this was kind of like putting it to rest and saying okay we did this we gave you a taste of this stop asking you know daria didn't show up which I thought Daria might have shown up because I thought they were going to try and springboard a Daria thing. But, um, 
anyway, uh, let's see what do we got in the comments. Uh, Johnny says that was a pretty good Beavis impression. Uh, huh, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, thanks and stuff. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, Beavis, you know, but you know, guys, uh, Beavis was always kind of my favorite. Uh, and uh, you know, every time he kind of. Uh, you know, gets philosophical for a second, and and then cornholio, and then he does all, like I liked Beavis. Beavis is the man. Beavis is the brains of the operation. Butthead keeps Beavis down. Beavis has potential, and you see that in this film. So, um, yeah, there you go. Oh, I guess uh, as Vince said, Daria was in the courtroom. She didn't have any speaking roles, but Daria was there. Um, so I guess yeah, the courtroom had a lot of cameos. I guess I didn't catch that. I was I was pretty tired when I watched it. Uh. Beavis and Butthead do the universe in theaters, or not in theaters, in Paramount+. Plus. You can check it out. Um, couldn't believe I saw it, but it's there. Okay, God, catching up. A lot of movies to talk about. Um, what do you guys want to talk about first? Elvis or Black Phone? Um, I mean, we've got about 20 minutes left. We've got 10 minutes per movie. You guys want to hear Black Phone? You guys want to hear Elvis first? All right, Black Phone. Vince, Vince came in first. He 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 gets the pick. This this is what you get to do if you're in the chat. You can get in the chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch every week Monday night, eight o'clock Central Standard Time, and you can participate. Ooh, Johnny Dalton on YouTube a little late on the draw. We're gonna get Black Phone first. All right, guys. Bloomhouse, Bloomhouse coming in with. A new film that wasn't terrible. Um, Blumhouse has been putting out tons of horror movies. When they first hit the scene, making a lot of cool things. Of course, making a lot of money with bringing Halloween back to cinemas. And uh, occasionally doing really, really cool things. Because one of the things that was really great about... Um, Jason Bloom was he was giving opportunities to sort of up and coming um, horror film directors that had crazy ideas and and really investing with them and and sort of hands off letting them create their 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 worlds and their films and uh, it you know hats off for him to do that um, Al, Al Al Hardy over at uh, Hardy Entertainment who also has a film podcast he's over in the in the YouTube channel there if you guys want to check him out he's right there I'm pointing to it um, he does a film podcast as well if you guys want to go over there and subscribe um, but he says Black Phone was filmed in Wilmington North Carolina which was his hometown uh, very cool even though it's supposed to be set in uh, Colorado um, it was filmed in uh, North Carolina, but uh, Wilmington, I'm assuming, probably has a pretty good tax incentive. But uh, our black phone, which I'll I'll pull out right here and drop. You got one of those rotary phones. Let's see if I can get some ASMR. Bring hello. Is it ghosts? Probably. And um, you know this movie is good. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Being Ethan Hawke, Jeremy Davies, going back to Lost, a guy that you don't see on screen all the time, but when he does, he's great, playing a shitty, abusive father. Uh, and then you've got performances from Mason Thames, who is the main character, Finney, which I thought was Vinny for the longest time, and then his sister, Madeline McGraw. So if we can get Vince up here in the Twitch, because I know he has that emote, uh, to hit that up-and-comer, blam, 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 Madeline McGraw, we are going to see great things from this young actress. She absolutely stunned 
stole the show. Um, she, it, 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 wow, like what a performance. Um, you know, again, relatively young, but she has been in uh, a lot of stuff recently. And this movie, you know, being a a, a theatrical feature film, uh, just absolutely crushing it. But this movie I thought was really interesting for a handful of reasons. Is this movie super scary? No. Is this movie, you know, um, I mean, it's definitely a horror movie. Uh, and the trailer, you know, it's it's all very much the boogeyman. It, it borrows very heavily thematically from films like John Carpenter's Halloween. You know, it, it's referential to things like you know uh, Chainsaw Massacre, but I, I didn't. There's no Chainsaw Massacre vibes. I got a lot more sort of um, uh, the the uh, not Winter's Bone, but um, there's there's that other. Uh, uh, bone movie. Hang on, I I I I I had it, um, where she 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 the the girl dies. Uh, God, I t- lovely bones, lovely bones. Yes, I was thinking Winter's Bone. Lovely bones meets uh, Frighteners meets Zodiac, and you're getting a lot of these sort of uh, interesting horror elements that 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 come together in a story that is kind of breaks the traditional mold of what you'd think because a lot of these movies focus on the killer, right? And not so much on the victims. And this movie is very much victim-centric. And, um, you know, Black Phone, Ethan, Ethan Hawke's character is kind of secondary. You know, he's terrifying. What a role. What a performance. Um, but, you know, the show is really stolen by the 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 youth cast and, and, and even people that aren't on screen because this is a ghost story at its core. It is, is, it is a movie about the, the sort of psychic paranormal situations manifesting in a very abductive sort of, you know, uh, home invasion horror film. So it's two sort of genres coming together and making a, uh, uh, a an, an interesting new spin on a horror twist. And as, as Al says over on YouTube that Mason was was terrific. You know, for a young a young actor uh, carrying most of this film on his shoulders. Uh, and and having an evolution of his character because you know it, it kind of took the, f- the the final girl trope which is like oh you never expect the the person that gets beat up and bullied and blah 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 and that's the one that that finds himself and stands up at the the help of you know victims before him which is pretty cool and and a lot of this is revealed in the trailer so it's not really a spoiler because the phone rings and it's hello hello ghosts what do i do and but but done in a way that that even though i knew what was happening i was still invested in finding out more and um and it made it really cool um you know where where there now there this movie was not without its problems not without its faults the fact that it's set in the 70s is is obvious because it's back in the day before cell phones before gps tracking before all this stuff before kids were you know weren't allowed to go out and ride their bikes and play um and spending the night at friends houses which i don't think kids do anymore i don't know they all just play their nintendos and minecrafts um on the internets and don't go outside. They live in bubbles. Uh, I assume that's what kids do. I don't have any of my own because um, they're filthy, warm babies. But um, 
you know, there there was, as Johnny Dalton says, there was no ghost that called. It's like, bring, bring. Yeah, uh, we're here calling about your car's extended warranty. Um, but, but you know, iso- like isolation is important in horror. And that's one of the reasons that so many horror films are set in time periods before cell phones and the Internet. Unless these movies are specifically about cell phones and the Internet um, and using that as a horror device. Uh, there's a new movie coming out uh, called Barbarian that looks interesting using Airbnb as like questioning this new technology that we are dealing with uh, as a sort of novum for a, a, a horrific idea and exploring that. But most most horror, when you're trying to, 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 to deal with, with themes that aren't about those specific technologies, it's easier to either put it in a parallel universe, kind of like um, uh, It Follows, or a different time period because you you know isolation is important for for bringing tension and being able to not communicate with the outside world which happens to Mason but his only communication to the outside world was through this through the the sort of lingering spirits of these previous victims and um I thought it was really well done. I thought it uh, it, it built suspense. You know, it, there was no jump scares, but I don't think horror needs jump scares. I think horror needs investment in characters and their survival, and 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 making you root for that person and want them to succeed and not get murdered. Uh, some of the things I didn't really like is how did that brother that was in the house not sort of notice that there was a torture and murder dungeon down there um you know there was, there was there was a lot of questions i'm like oh wait a minute how did the bad guy come into the room every time and not notice that he dug a huge hole and not notice that he knocked a big thing out of the wall and not notice that he pulled the bars off the window and not noticed all these things but hey if you're a crazy dude that wears masks and like you know likes to spank children and get off to it then maybe you don't notice all the little things i don't know i don't know um but there there were things like that that sort of made me think ooh i I don't know but the rest of the movie fell into place so well that i was invested and i think in a horror film that's the most important thing is that you get your audience invested and i was and again hats off to to, to mason and madeline the two to uh, the two the brother and sister duo that carried this movie and then ethan hawk um, you know, and again, a movie with an A-list actor who didn't show his face for, or his entire face for, I think, pretty much the whole movie. There was like two or three scenes where you see his whole face. It's actually pretty cool because a lot of a lot of people, like you know, in Hollywood, want their whole face shown. And and you know, I thought that that was pretty cool of Ethan Hawke to play this sort of psychopathic killer dude that's partially covered by masks. Um, because it's more about the acting, and you see it in his eyes, and you see all that that other stuff that that, that is a hallmark of a really uh, a, a, a talented on-screen actor. So, uh, Black Phone. Uh, I know I don't have a whole lot of time. I got to get through these things. Um, I recommend it. I think it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's not horrific. It's not gory. There's not a lot of jump scares. It's a good horror thriller suspense. And uh, check it out in theaters while you can, because you know. If you pay for these things, we'll get more of them. So there you go. Any other thoughts in the chat before I move on? I would love to talk about it more. I would love to answer this phone and say, hello, bam! Step, step, bam! If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And these things are not as heavy, even if you packed it. I mean, I don't know. Let me see. I mean, yeah, you could probably whack a dude in the temple pretty hard. You need the whole base uh to to really do it but anyway black phone 
moving on because uh, we got to talk about Elvis. The new Boz Lerman film, Elvis in theaters. Finally, this is a movie that went into production back in 2019. Uh, Boz Lerman himself actually had to um, reconsider returning to this film. Uh, really interesting if you read interviews with Boz. And, 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 and Boz is a guy that, you know, you don't see him often. This guy, his career... You know, the movies that he has done, we all absolutely know. I mean, everybody knows Romeo and Juliet. That was like his swan song in the 90s that launched his career. Um, and then, you know, following up with Australia, but then, or, or excuse me, Moulin Rouge, and then Australia. Uh, and then, you know, kind of taking a little bit of a, a hiatus until The Great Gatsby. Um, and then now this, you know, Great Gatsby, that was back in 2013. We haven't seen a Boz Lerman film in a very long time. Um, but he is also known for writing his screenplays and, you know, being very, very visually ambitious. And this movie, while I think was a little bit long, uh, it was two hours and 40 minutes, which is a pretty incredible runtime. I could not have thought of a different director that could have done a better job with this film. Um, I thought that this movie was as good as we're ever going to get to a an accurate, entertaining Elvis biopic. Because, you know, Elvis is a an interesting guy in a lot of, a lot of ways. Because, you know... He, when you deal with celebrity and you deal with musicians, there's a lot of uh, problematic things about entertainers. And, you know, not all entertainers are evil and, and people do bad things. And when you're corrupted with money and power and influence, then you make bad decisions and all of these things. And, and, and this movie was interesting to me mainly because, like, my family and I have sort of an unusually close connection to Elvis. Like, um, I, when I grew up, I didn't really realize it when I was a kid. Uh, my, my, I, I took my mom to see this, and, and, and she was a little bit more aware than I was as a kid. But Charlie Hodge um, it was a really good close friend of our family. And, I mean, my grandfather was a pallbearer in Charlie Hodge, Hodge's funeral, if that tells you how close we were. Um, and Charlie would come over to our house pretty often, especially on the holidays, uh, sit, smoke his pipe, uh, tell his stories, you know, and 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 to me as a small child, I didn't really register what that meant. But Charlie Hodge was the guitar player. Uh, Elvis is like a homie. Uh, if you've seen Elvis, Charlie's in it several times. Uh, he even says like, "Hey, Charlie," you know. And there's the, there's a guy that's like always there. Um, and if you look at any photos, uh, the the famous photo of Elvis's last performance where he's playing the piano, and there's a guy holding the microphone. That's Charlie Hodge. Uh, you can Google Charlie Hodge. Um, but I didn't really realize, like, oh, what that meant until as a grown-up. And then seeing this on film, you're like, oh, some of these stories actually start to make sense. And then you're like, I know I know who that guy was. Like, oh, shit, that's that's Charlie. And, you know, and, 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 and it was a really weird kind of surreal experience. 
um, seeing this on screen and and Boz returned to the film. And this is where I was going at the beginning of this. Um, Boz thought about leaving it because it was a very ambitious project and he hadn't made a movie in a long time. And he's like, maybe I don't want to do this. COVID's weird. But what brought him back was how important the story is even now because at its core yes it is a story about elvis presley and his life and all the things that happened but it's also a story about consumerism manipulation power and control and how art can be exploited by the almighty dollar and somehow you know and sometimes the people that create this art are the ones that lose in the end and you know um and, and that's more prevalent today than it ever was even back when you know uh, Elvis was alive and and it makes the story that much more tragic telling the story about Colonel Parker and how he kind of financially manipulated Elvis and Elvis's estate and um you know, but was also a brilliant marketeer. And you, you, you look at this, and this was, you know, you, you think, oh, how did he let that happen? But back then, there was no phones, there was no internet, there was no, you know, there was, there was just a small kid in a small town. And there was a really interesting scene for those that caught it. But, um, you know, Colonel Parker, he came from a, a circus carnival background, and there was a there was a scene where they were at a carnival, and Colonel Parker sees Elvis, like, leaning up, and he's kind of alone, and in the background, kind of, like, parallel to, to Elvis, you see, like, a freak show sort of sideshow, but the only, like, in, in focus part of the poster was the geek. And I thought that that was a really amazing sort of foreshadowing shot to the rest of the film because this guy who is a carnival guy, who is a snowman, who is, you know, this 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 sort of ringmaster, saw Elvis and was like, that's my geek. And if you know anything about freak show history or you saw that movie that just came out not too long ago with, with Guillermo del Toro, like the concept of a geek is back in the freak show days and the carnival days, it's usually a guy that's down on his luck, has alcohol abuse, drug abuse. They drug him up, basically get him on the hook to where he will do anything they say as long as they keep him uh, you know, supplied with whatever his vice is, and then they can exploit him in that sense. And so, like, that was such a really interesting, powerful scene that just sort of spelled the entire road ahead in this film. Um, now, three hours and, or two hours and 40 minutes, I think it was a little long. I think some of these musical numbers could have cut, get cut down. I did really enjoy the musical numbers with the, where, where they included B.B. King and especially the Little Richard scene. That was a really, really great scene. But including some of the problematic history of of Elvis Presley in that time period in Memphis, I think was really important, especially in a time right now in cinema where we try to we try to um, uh, you know sort of edit history to make it well, like oh gosh that was problematic maybe we shouldn't show racism on screen it's like well if you don't then people are never going to r- realize and understand how bad this was and you you know I, I'm 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 I was excited and proud to see that they did deal with some stuff that was not necessarily kosher, but really freaking happened back then. You know, um, Memphis back in those those days was was not a great place to be. You know, an African American or a colored person, as they said, which it's not that long ago, y'all. And seeing that on screen is just a, a good reminder of like, wow, you know, 
we have come so far, but have we? It wasn't that long ago. I mean, there's people that are still alive that remember that stuff. And, um, you know, the musical numbers were great. The performances were, were, were surprisingly well done. I thought that Austin Butler, as uh, Al mentioned in YouTube, uh, I, you know, I was worried at first. I was thinking like, oh, they're just going to cast this kid because he looks like, like Elvis. But wow, you know, uh, what a transformation, you know, and, and, and in interviews right now, they're like, hey, do some of that Elvis stuff. He's like, dude, that was a long time ago. Like it's 2022. We filmed this movie years ago, like started in 2019. It's been a long time. Tom Hanks doing a great job, a little bit hammy at times. Uh, but for the most part, uh, a, a very convincing and believable uh, role. David Wenham as Hank Snow, I thought, just kind of came in there. You don't see David Wenham a lot, uh, but but I always like it when he does. Uh, Vince asked, did it cover his whole life <coughs> or just a section? And I, it did sort of cover his whole life. It, it glossed over some of the early youth and then some of the, you know, mid to upper 30s you know that it was very heavy in the 20s very heavy in the the late 30s um because those were the the like the rise to power and then the fall from grace and those were sort of the the, the stories one thing that i wish that they had touched on that i think that would have made the story a little bit more powerful is the 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 seduction into to, to drugs and alcohol, uh, because this was something that was very real in his life, and uh, there was a there was a, a sort of a for, I thought it was going to be a foreshadowing scene where he's in the car with his buddies and like here take this it'll help you focus, and and then you don't see any drug use for almost the entire rest of the like an hour and forty minutes go by and then it's like oh yeah I'm doing drugs, um, but I wish that they had kind of tapped into that darkness just a little bit to really show how you know the the weight of the world on this guy's shoulders. Um, you know, and you, you, you start to think like about other entertainers like that, like the Beatles and Michael Jackson and, you know, um, Elton John and these people that had, you know, the weight of the world in a pre-internet world, um, and, and, and how they must've had to deal with that. Um, and as Vince says, there were no fried peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. Um, but this, this film, I, you know, if it wasn't two hours and 45 minutes, I'd see it again. Um, I, I think this I think this movie is going to get appreciated down the road more than it is now because there's a lot of stuff coming out uh, in theaters to give it a run for its money, so to speak. And it's not as exactly a super family-friendly movie that you take everybody to. But I think this movie's got staying power um, and just really highlights, you know, even... Um, Lisa Marie signed off on this movie. She's like, yes, you know, and, and, um, uh, like the, 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 the Presley estate is like, this is the most accurate telling. Like we, we, we approve of this message. And I think that that says a lot for, for this film and Boz's directing and storytelling and screenplay writing abilities for this film. So, um, yeah, I've got nothing but good things to say about it, to be honest with you. And I did not think that that was going to be, I don't really like musicals this didn't feel like a musical because it wasn't just, you know, milkmaids that, that are like, you know, tugging up cow teat, just all of a sudden singing and dancing. Like all the musical numbers made sense. And I think Boz was, was very tasteful in, uh, creating a very fast paced 
exciting, glamorous look into this world that is both um, alien to most people, but felt very real and a sense of relatability to the characters. So um, there you go. None of it shot at Graceland. They actually rebuilt all that on the California soundstage. Uh, um, yeah, Elvis in theaters right now. I recommend it. Uh, okay, okay, that was all. Oh, man, I got through them. I got through all of them. Uh, just in time to do the box office roundup. So there there you go. We did it. We did it. A lot of talking. Ugh, it's hard to do. But I make it look easy. All right, we're going to do the box office roundup, which I have normally made Jake's job over the past few months, but I'm going back into it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to give you the top 10 movies in America. We're going to go through number 10, go all the way up to number one. The reason we do this is because domestic numbers are how people judge whether or not we're going to get more of what you see. So if we're going to get an Elvis sequel, we'll, we'll, we'll know based on the money. Um, Top 10 Movie in America for the weekend of June 24th through 26, 2022. Here we go. Number 10, The Bad Guys. Uh, CGI film there from Universal Pictures bringing $455,000 in its 10th weekend release. Can't believe it's been out that long. Bring in $95.5 million at the box office. Number 9, Bob's Burgers movie. Staying out there. It seems like that movie's been out for a lot longer than it has, but it's only been out for five weeks uh, from 20th Century Studios, bringing in only 498000 this week. So far, domestic gross of $31 million at the box office. Number eight, everything, everywhere, all at once, somehow sticking out there in another 524 theaters nationwide. In its 14th week in release, $533,000, $66 million at the domestic box office, which, uh, I mean, this movie, if you've not seen seen this movie yet go freaking see this movie it's great and the fact that it's still out there 14 weeks is still out there 14 weeks and this movie is still out there when um you know other movies like it ha are not like the just, 14 weeks is an amazing run um go see it uh, number seven, Jug Jug J.O. Uh, coming out opening weekend, uh, $725,000 at the box office. Only playing in 318 uh, theaters, though, so doing pretty well for itself there. A uh, lot of Tagulu and Hindi films hitting the top ten in the past several weeks. Look at this. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, as Vince says, 14 weeks in this economy? That's right. Number six, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness bringing in another $1.7 million in its eighth week in release. Uh, Walt Disney Studios bringing in $409 million domestic dollars for Doctor Strange. Number five, Lightyear dropping down to the number five spot, a 64% drop from last week, which was the number one movie in America. Oof. Uh, going one to five is pretty tough. It only brought in $18 million at the box office this week. So far, though, bringing in $89 million at the box office. And uh, not a bad international take. It brought in another 63 in the international market, bringing it just over $153 million at the box office. Number four, opening up number four, The Black Phone. $23 million for Balloon House, even though it is released by Universal. Um, not a bad opening. Black, and, and you have to understand, opening at number four when you're a relatively low-budget horror film is actually a pretty good opening, especially a $23 million opening, because this was a very competitive box office. So for this movie to not only top Lightyear and hold in the top four when everything 
in the top one, two, three, and four did over $20 million. Like number four at $23 million, that's a big box office take. Like that's kind of unheard of. So um, very good performance from the black phone uh, uh, this week. Number three, Jurassic World Dominion, only bringing in $26 million this weekend uh, in its third weekend release for Universal Pictures. Uh, so far bringing it up to $303 million, uh, a worldwide take, another international market crushing it overseas, $445 million, bringing it up to $748 million worldwide. Uh, number two... We talked about this at the very beginning of the show. Top Gun Maverick bringing in another $29.6 million this weekend in the box office. Fifth week out there. And I am anticipating another bump for Top Gun this weekend because it is 4th of July. And nothing says America like jet planes killing the enemy, dude. <laughs> uh, so another almost $30 million bringing it up to $520 million domestically, which is also pretty incredible considering it pulled in almost another $500 million internationally, brought in $486 million internationally for a movie that's very America-centric that normally does not happen because most of the world hates us. Uh, but putting it just over just over the billion-dollar mark by $6 million, so Top Gun Maverick in the billion dollar club officially as of this week and the number one movie in america elvis uh coming in at 31 this is a very competitive weekend at the box office the one two and three and four spots were all very neck and neck uh but opening up at number one uh, in just over 3,900 theaters nationwide. Um, this movie uh, did another uh, domestic or international box office of 20 million, so it's brought it up to 51. This only had a Excuse me. This only had a budget of eighty-five million, despite the fact that it got started filming in twenty nineteen. So unlike movies like Top Gun and Thor and all these movies that have you know budgets into the hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, this is also not a bad opening for for this film. Uh, but when you look at the budget to box office breakdown for movies like Black Phone, on the other hand, Black Phone. Uh, an incredible performer in terms of the eyes of the studio. So that's how you understand these numbers. Hope that makes sense. Hope you enjoyed the show because that's it. We are 10 minutes over. This has been a long one because I had a lot of movies to review, but I appreciate everybody that did stick with us this week. Um, yeah, we did it. We made it. Hope you enjoyed this solo show. Drive-in speaker box. Uh, if you if you enjoyed this show, tell your friends, like and subscribe, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitch, follow us on YouTube, get us on the Spotify, download the show, Spotify, uh, just search for the drive-in speaker box. Drive-in has a hyphen, speaker box is all one word. So uh, happy 4th of July. I hope you guys enjoy the long weekend. <laughs> We may or may not be here next weekend. I don't know. It is the 4th of July. You'll probably be busy. Uh, we might do a show on the 5th if we get busy. I don't know. It depends on what Jake is doing. It depends on what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything special. Maybe I'll come up here. But I figure nobody. I figure everybody else is going to be busy. So we will figure it out. Uh, but anyway, like and subscribe. Send us an email. Shoot us uh, DMs. You know, do whatever you got to do. And we will see you guys next weekend. I, of course, am your host, the Boom Operator, and we'll see you guys next week. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave.
If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.